wonderful. Uh, we certainly do. Uh, the elders and, and all of you guys uh, just love supporting missions, and um, it's uh, just awesome to watch how the, our members get to be a part of uh, God's mission of spreading the gospel through the world and di- discipling believers. And uh, I want to tell you, this is uh, just a, a side note. Um, I'm currently, uh, myself, uh, with, with the other elders, working on how all of you, each and every believer who, who comes here, can be involved on mission. And I'm not necessarily talking about going to the nations, but involved in mission right here in your local community. And um, that's something we really want to strengthen uh, in the church and, and encourage. And that, that's something that will be in the works, that, that we are not only about spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth, but also to our neighbors and to, to um, the people around us. So be, be looking for that. And I'm just really excited about the way God has been leading uh, those plans so far. All right, we'll move into the sermon. We are uh, continuing in our study of Genesis. Uh, you heard the, the reading this morning of the, the creation of, of male and female. And uh, last week, we, we looked at the, the creation from Genesis chapter 2, where it zooms in on the creation of male, the first man. This week, we're going to be dropping right back into day six, once again, the, of the creation week, day six, uh, to the creation of the first female, the, this woman, Eve. And I'm, I'm going pretty slow through these first few chapters. You know, we're, we're only getting to the end of chapter two this week, and we're actually, this passage that we're doing right now, we are doing again next week uh, from a different angle. Uh, this one will be looking at male and female. Next week, we'll be looking at the marriage relationship. And uh, you may wonder, well, why are we spending so much time in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3, uh, 3 when we get there? And I just want to tell you, and this is the whole reason we're even doing Genesis, this stuff contained in these first three chapters of Genesis are absolutely foundational for for so much of what what you'll see in the rest of the Bible. They're they're absolutely foundational for how we we think about God, for how we we think about our lives and creation and and marriage and relationships and and right and wrong. It is absolutely foundational, and that's why we're spending so much time on this. I I want us to all have this foundation that God has given us, what it was like in the beginning, what went wrong, um, so that we can understand and apply the rest of the Bible. So again, this week we're dropping back in, middle of day six, uh, man has been, the first man has been created, and now we see a woman created. So if you want to uh, read along with me, Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24. It's in your notes, and if you want to follow along in your Bible as well. Verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. In the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. 
Then he said, Adam said, oh sorry, then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. That, that is God's word. I'm going to tell you this, and, and then we're going to pray and ask God to bless our time as we study. But what we're going to look at today, we're going to study about uh, male and, and female, and this, this relationship is absolutely under assault by our culture today. I'm not saying that, that we're doing anything new and that it hasn't been under assault for thousands of years, uh, ever since the fall, but, but you, you need to know this is absolutely under assault. That is it possible that, that from creation, God made male and female with, with these distinctions? And that's what we're going to be looking at today. But you think about our, our culture. Uh, I'll tell you a story. Um, my, my wife was telling me she was talking with another mother um, at a place she was at, and the mother said she has um, two kids that go to a, a public school, and she said her kids come home all the time and tell her that, that their friends are constantly changing genders. We're talking really, really young kids. Uh, I think one's in like third grade, and the other one was maybe fifth grade or something. Changing genders, flip-flopping uh, from year to year, semester to semester, month to month. These kids are confused about gender. And you think about uh, more and more stores and things and, and trying to get laws changed where, oh, you can use any bathroom that you'd like, male or female, what is that? You know, uh, just use any, any bathroom you'd like. Don't worry about whether you were born as a male or a female and, and how you live out your life. Uh, do it how you want to do it. And then you even think about the, the neutering of society. Neutering. You understand that, that it is uh, taking away our maleness and our femaleness, making it a flat line across the board, and that's done in so many ways. You think of our, uh, our movies today, um, oftentimes uh, you see the female character uh, is displaying mostly masculine attributes. I can think of uh, Tomb Raider as just a good example that pops into my head where I, I've told my wife, I don't like that movie because she, she's a guy in it. Um, it, it like she, but they're, they're glorifying this understanding that, no, this woman should, should act exactly like a man. And that's our culture. That's, that's where we are today. And so it is incredibly important, incredibly important that we understand God's original intention, the way he wired us as humans, male and female. So that's what we'll look at. Let's pray and ask God to help us sort through this complicated topic. Father God, you are so good. Everything you have created is good. God, your purposes for creation are good. And so Lord, give us wisdom, give us knowledge for how we can live in light of your creation ways and how we can live in light of your purposes for creation, male and female. Lord, we ask for your grace. We ask for your uh, for humility to come on us so that we can fall in line with what is truly best for us and what will most 
glorify you. I pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay. So, we're going to look at these verses. We've just looked at, uh, last week, the creation of the first man, Adam. He was created, you know, out of the dust of the ground, but then God breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. He was, you know, made in the image of God. And I'll tell you, that was, that was a very good thing. God, God made Adam good. Well, the first thing I want to show you that we see in these verses, verse 18, directly after the creation of man, is number one in your notes, it was incomplete creation. Incomplete. Incomplete. The first man, Adam, had been created, but, but it seems that mankind, this sort of creation, was incomplete. We see it right here in verse 18, and then I'll explain to you uh, some of the nuances here. It said there, Then the Lord God said, so this is God's opinion, okay? <laughs> then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. It is not good that the man should be alone. Okay, so if you, are, uh, if you were to open your Bible, read, you know, j- chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Genesis, when you get to verse 18, there should be a flashing red light and a siren going off in your head because you've already seen uh, in Genesis chapter 1 that even before day 6, before the creation of mankind, God has already said that these things were good six times. He's only mentioned good. There's not been anything that is not good. But then we see here, In in verse 18 of chapter 2, man has been created, but then God says about this, it is not good that the man should be alone. So the question is, and this is really important, is God saying that there is something wrong with Adam? Is God saying that there was something, uh, uh, you know, deficient in Adam, that, that he was not created correctly in some way? No. The answer is no. God is good. Everything God creates is good. Therefore, Adam, the first man, when he was created as a male, he was good. You notice there, it doesn't say in the verse, if you just read it, it says, um, it doesn't say that the man isn't good. This man is not good. What it says there is, is, it is not good that the man should be alone. So, so Adam in and of himself is not bad. It is his, his creaturely aloneness. It, it is not good that man should be alone. That's what's not good. And we use this type of language all the time. I, I just want to explain this so we don't think anything in God's creation was, was not good. Um, you can uh, think, uh, this didn't happen to me this morning, but say this morning I, I go to put on my shoes and I can only find one shoe. I say, it is not good that this shoe is alone. You know, and well, we're not saying that that shoe is bad, right? The one in my hand is, it's still a good shoe. It's still a sturdy shoe. It's still got plenty of miles left on it, you know? What I'm saying is, it's not good that that shoe does not have its counterpart, its pair. We, we use this type of language. Uh, if I were to go out to my truck in the morning and I had a flat tire, I would say, it is not good that the three other tires don't have the fourth one. I'm not saying that those three other tires aren't good. I'm saying that it's lacking the fourth functional tire. So you think about that type of language. It is not that Adam wasn't good. It's that Adam, it wasn't good for him 
to be alone. This is so important. And this gets into to all sorts of, of different things as well. Was it, did, did Adam not have God? You know, did, did Adam not have God? So he wasn't alone. He had God. But the fact is, God created Adam with purpose. He created this human with purpose, and Adam could not fulfill those purposes alone. Adam could not fulfill those purposes alone. So God says, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. A, a, a helper, because he can't do this alone, so he needs this helper to come alongside him so that he can fulfill the reason he was created, the reason humankind was created. There's a, a word there that some people uh, might trip over, and, and a lot of people have tripped over as I read commentaries and um, different articles. The term helper there. You know the way this is going. This is talking about the woman. So the woman is a helper. And some will say, oh, well, that, that's demeaning. How, how dare you call the woman a helper? I'm just going to, again, not, not spend too much time on this. In the Old Testament alone, God is called helper. I believe it is uh, six times. No, five, five times in the Old Testament alone. This exact same word for helper is used of God. So if we're going to say that this is demeaning of, of the female uh, gender to say that they, they are a helper, then, then we're saying that it's demeaning of God that we would call him a helper. So we've got to have an even playing field here. If we're not demeaning God, which the, the Bible would certainly never do by calling him a helper, then we are certainly not demeaning females. I, just, I think that is helpful for us to understand. This, this term helper more has the sense of, of one who can provide for what's lacking. That, that's this idea of, of a helper. What's lacking in another, they provide. So, where are we at? What have we just seen here? Creation of male was perfect, but incomplete. It was perfect, but incomplete. God has a, a desire, a plan, a purpose for humankind, and Adam alone cannot fulfill this. So we just saw there, God says, right? It says, God said it is not good that man should be alone. But um, as far as we know uh, from, from the text, Adam at this point is oblivious. You know, he's just looking around at the garden, marveling most likely at this amazing location God has placed him in this paradise. But he doesn't yet recognize his need. He doesn't recognize his, his need yet. And that's why... God shows Adam that he has, number two in your notes, inadequate relations. God is going to show Adam that he has inadequate relations. The things around him in creation were not enough. They were inadequate to, for him to fulfill his God-given purpose. Uh, we'll see this in, in, uh, starting in verse 19. <clears throat> Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. I'll, I'll pause there for a second. It's not saying that God just then formed animals and then brought them. It's saying that he had done it. He had done it in the past. Uh, I believe it was, uh, oh, it was earlier in day six that God created the, the beasts of the, the field. Anyways, so he had created them in the past and now he's bringing them to the man to see what he would call them. It goes on. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. 
The man gave names to all livestock and to all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. And I'm going to finish that verse. But for Adam, there was, not a, there was not found a helper fit for him. I know I didn't have that part of the verse in your notes. I put it in the wrong place. He, he's naming all the, these animals, you know, giving them names, giving them designations, yet there was not a helper fit for him. Again, God already recognizes that there wasn't a helper fit for him. It's not good that man should be alone. So it's not uh, God learning this as Adam names the animals. It's Adam <laughs> learning this deficiency. That was the whole point. God wanted Adam to realize, to recognize his need. You might say, well, why does God want him to recognize his need? Well, once Adam recognizes his need, then he's more able to recognize God's grace in fulfilling that need, right? He's able to recognize God's goodness when there's this lack, and God fulfills that lack, and he sees God's grace. And he sees the value of the one God brings him. He sees the value. When he recognizes, I have this need, and then God brings that one, he values that one that's brought to him. So that's why God does this. Now, we talked about inadequate relations, <clears throat> The most obvious inadequate relation we see in this text is that with Adam, the first man, and the animals, the, the, the living creatures at the time. Now again, the animals were great. The birds of the air were great. Th these were good. They were created good. They were created perfect, but they were not adequate to fulfill God's purpose and plan for humankind. So you think about it, as Adam is, is watching these animals that God brings to him, you know, and he names them, and I think most likely, it doesn't say this in the text, but most likely Adam would have noticed something at some point. Okay, there's, there's uh, a deer, there's another deer, they're, 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 they're kind of different, one has horns and the other doesn't have horns. Okay, you have a male and a female deer. Okay, there, that one I'll call it a lion, and that one's also a lion. They're, they're, the, they're the same kind, but they're different. That one has a mane. That one doesn't have a mane. You have a male lion and a female lion. <laughs> I think he would have started to notice, it seems like every other creature on this planet has a counterpart, but I do not. <laughs> they all have this, this male and female, this, this counterpart, this uh, crescendo to, to, to their species, but I don't have that. And God is making that very plain to him. These animals are inadequate for your relations, for your relationships. Now there's a second relation that I see in these verses that are, um, it's slightly less evident, but this is what I would call man's relation to work or vocation. God, God tells him, hey, you know, name these animals. I'm going to bring these animals to you. You name them. God's giving him a job. We'd already seen in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28, that God had put man over uh, the animals and, and all creation to rule over them. And in Genesis 2, uh, 15, God had put Adam over the garden to work it and to keep it. He'd been given this job, and now God is giving him this task within his job. Here, name these animals. And so, D does that work? Is that what Adam was missing? I just needed a job. I needed a vocation. I needed that. Now, I want to say this. This is pre-fall 
everything that we see happen is good and perfect. Work is good. <laughs> I know a lot of us feel like work is a result of the fall, right? Because of sin, now I have to work. But that's not true. This is before sin. This is perfect. This was good for Adam. This work was, and, and we should feel the same about work. Of course, the, the fall has made work harder, but work is good. But in the end, it s- still says there, there was not found a helper fit for him. His relation to work was not enough. His relation to work was not enough. I can think of uh, many people I've known in my life, their highest <laughs> relation was that to their job and, and getting more money, higher uh, promotions. But Adam shows us here, God shows us through Adam that this work was not enough. He still had a missing relation. So again, God is, is putting Adam through this, uh, uh, this task to show him his need. These animals, these birds, these creatures, they are not enough for you. They're, they're inadequate relation, and even your work is an inadequate relation for you. And this was to show him God's grace in giving and fulfilling that need and the great value of the helper God would provide. It's, it's a beautiful thing. So, we, we've gotten to f- number three. I know I, I haven't been going very long, but we're going <laughs> to spend some time in number three, okay? One, one and two were to help us get here, but number three answers the question, you know, so who or what did God bring to make humanity complete, to make these uh, relations adequate? That is number three, final harmonization, Final harmonization. So we, we saw this incompleteness, but now we have this, this harmony going on. This, this, this symphony uh, that, that God has for creation. I'm going to try to explain this. This is just the best way I could think of it. Uh, I remember I had this uh, set of headphones. I, I probably was like right out of high school or something. But I'd had these headphones for years, and I was going to keep them because they were awesome. You know, they wrapped around my ears. They stayed in while I ran or biked or whatever, and they sounded great. But one day, I I started to notice, man, my music does not sound very good uh, in these headphones. I I really remember liking this song a lot more, and I couldn't really figure out what was going on, but it didn't take me too long. I, I, I simply took one earbud out. And I'm like, okay, uh, yeah, the music sounds good. And I put it back in. Then I took the other one out, and I realized, oh, that one is starting to go out. That speaker in the earphone must be busted because it's it's not really putting out sound. It's making noise, but (laughs) it's not uh, very pretty. I was missing half of the song. You think about it, you know, you have a stereo. You know, you have one sound comes from here, and one sound comes from the other side versus mono, that all sounds come from all speakers. Anyway, this isn't an audio lesson, but, you know, this is what was going on is in my songs, there was guitar going on in in one headphone, and the guitar that was supposed to be there in the other headphone wasn't there. (laughs) The the, the lead singer was singing in one headphone, but the the backup singers that were filling out the, the, the music weren't there, and so the music had become boring, uninteresting, and unexciting for me. And I, I really was like, man, I, I really thought I liked these songs more. The, the problem wasn't the songs. The problem was that there wasn't the intended harmony there. There wasn't this, this filled up music anymore because the other half wasn't there. And that 
is exactly the, the, the issue, the inadequacy, the inc- incompleteness that God was rectifying by the creation of woman. She was the necessary and intended harmony to the, to the male tune, as it were, to make a full song. L- listen to, to this harmony uh, start up in verses uh, 21 through 24. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. We'll we'll leave uh, the other verses off for, for next week. But what we just saw happen here is, again, God created man good, but, but it, was, it was incomplete. God reveals that to the man, so he sees his need. But in these verses, God fulfills that need with this harmony by bringing in the woman. He is now able to fulfill this purpose. We need to see some parallels here. Uh, as you study the Bible, look for repeated words and, and things, because this is really helpful in these verses Earlier in day six, as we were just uh, reading, God had brought the animals and the birds to Adam for him to name them, right? God, God, God brings them to him. And it says that he brought the animals to him. This made Adam acutely aware of his, his need uh, to be able to fulfill his God-given purpose. But then we see here in verse 22, God made the woman and brought her to the man. God had brought Adam the, uh, the animals, but now God is bringing him the woman. I, I like to picture, uh, <laughs> I like to picture God kind of smiling, you know. I brought you all those animals. They were neat and stuff. They were cute, maybe. You're going to like this one. <laughs> You're going to like this new creature I'm bringing you. And did Adam like it? What did he think about it? He says there, it says uh, in the first half of verse 23, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. God, you you brought me uh, all these animals. You brought them by and they were cool, you know, and I named them. But they weren't like me. This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. We are similar. We are of the same Essence. That's the whole idea of my bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It literally was bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh because God had uh, taken the, you know, his, from his side. But he, he's also saying, th- this, is, this is the same essence as me. It is the same kind. We're going to go deep here for a second, okay? So you're going to have to hang on with me. In the second half of verse 23, uh, Adam says uh, some profound things. He says there, he said, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. Okay, here's where we're going deep. <laughs> In the Hebrew, the word for man is ish. Okay, if you were to transliterate it, it'd be like I-S-H, ish. The word for woman, on the other hand, so man was ish, the word for woman is isha. I-S-H-A-H is transliterated. You probably notice 
those words sound really similar, ish and isha. They, 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 it's a lot like our words, man and woman, you know, man and woman. It's, it, it's all there. They sound very similar, and that's Adam's point. She shall be called woman, Isha, because she was taken out of Ish. It's the, the sound. They're, we are the same in so many ways, is what Adam is saying here. We are the same in so many ways. How were Adam and Eve uh, uh, similar or, or the same? Well, we, we, you can just think of a, a man and woman, and we're, we are very similar in structure and form. I have uh, never once uh, mistaken an ape for a human. I don't know about you. Some scientists may disagree with me. Uh, you know, so-called scientists might disagree, but I, I just have never mistaken any <laughs> animal for a human. We're, we are similar in form and shape. We have a, a distinct form. Uh, in addition to that, the woman was rational. This is as, com- as compared to animals and all other creation. She was rational and self-conscious like Adam. She, she thinks things through. She, she knows herself. She knows, uh, you know, what she's doing. She's able to make decisions rather than just go by nature like an animal would. You see, similarities. She was relational. She's a relational being like Adam. Th- this, this creature uh, didn't just want to be pet and fed like a dog. She wanted a relationship. She wanted to know Adam and be known by Adam. These are distinctions uh, that, that she had that were unlike any animal, but that were just like Adam. And there's one more huge one that you probably, some of you are thinking that he better say this. Here's the most important similarity. And, this is, and we're going to sit here for a second. She was made in the image of God just like Adam. Made in the image of God. Bearing the image, bearing the reflection of the God of the universe just like Adam. This is incredibly important for us to understand. God did not create man as this, this high being and then this uh, derivative being female as lesser. They were both created in the image of God. Let me explain that to you. When, when God endows the ability to reflect himself, uh, endows the honor of bearing the image of God, There is absolutely nothing higher you could say about a being. Nothing higher. Well, I'm smarter. Who cares? You're both made in the image of God. Well, I'm a a different race. Who cares? You are both made in the image of God. This is the trump card. It goes above everything. If you are both human, you are both made in the image of God, and that trumps everything else. You both have the same honor, dignity, and this, this, this great thing endowed by God. This has huge, huge implications for both the way we relate as male and female and as the way we relate to other humans who are different than us. How dare we, how dare we look at someone of a different race and think I am better than them? 
they bear the image of God. There is nothing higher you could say about them. How dare we look at someone who who maybe isn't as smart as us, who maybe isn't as financially secure, doesn't dress as nice as us. You could think of a homeless person walking on the street, and it is real easy to think, oh, they're, they're, they're second class. How dare we? They bear the image of God. There is nothing higher you could say, and there's nothing about them you could say that could take that away. And the same is true with gender. How dare we look at the opposite sex, the opposite gender, and say, I am better than them because of my gender. They bear the image of God. There's nothing higher we could say. I have my Bible right here. This is God's Word given to us, inspired, given to us to to lead us and guide us into life. Now, I, I, I write in my Bibles. I, I have uh, at times dog-eared, you know, as I'm studying and want to come back to a place and don't have a bookmark. But I treat this thing with respect. You will not see me throw this on the ground, spit on it, step on it, kick it. You will not see me do that. Why? Because I fear the living God. Th- this Bible is not magic. It's what it stands for. We wouldn't do that to our Bibles, yet we treat other humans who bear the image of God as though they were garbage. That should terrify us. God has endowed them with so much more honor and dignity and worth and value than this Bible here, yet I fear it and fear the God that stands behind it so much that I wouldn't mess with it, yet we mess with other humans, we we look down on them, we use them must not be so. Male and female, made in the image of God from the beginning and always. So, similarity, right? This at last is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, Isha, for she was taken out of man. Ish is similarity, but there's something I didn't tell you about those Hebrew words, okay? Again, this is, is kind of deepish stuff. Ish and Isha, though they sound incredibly similar, they actually have different roots. Okay, you say, well, what's a root? Um, well, a root is, think of the word legal, right? You have words like illegal. Well, legal is the root word of legal, right? They, they are derived from, illegal is derived from the word legal. That, however, is not true with Ish and Isha. Isha is not derived from Ish. In in the Hebrew language, you you can look at this stuff, look it up, uh, where they're derived from, their root words, and they are actually two different words. Ish, uh, if you're curious, (laughs) Ish is drawn from a a root word that means simply mankind, actually, and and it's it's, kind of taken on man as it's been used that way. Isha is drawn from a root word that actually means soft or delicate. We're not going to go too far down uh, that road, but that's what the word 
that it is derived from means. They're, they're different words at their core. Why am I telling you this? Why am I telling you the, the roots of the Hebrew words? I, I tell you this because God inspired this. He, he knew what he was doing, making the words sound so similar so that we would see the sameness, the similarity, the value, the worth, the, the equality, but also so that we would recognize the difference. There is a difference from the beginning between male and female. And, and by the way, the, the, the derivation of the word, uh, you know, woman and, and uh, man, that's not the only place I get that there are differences. This is, uh, that was just an example of um, the craftsmanship used uh, by, by Adam in the, these words. But we need to understand that there are differences between male and female. You know, I talked about the, the headphone, you know, thing at the beginning. There isn't a harmony if both guitars are playing the exact same tune. You get that, right? If, if uh, all the, the singers up here uh, saying, you know, everyone's an alto, it, it would just be a flat song. But we have some sing low, some, some sing high, and it gives us a full-bodied song. In the same way, God created male and female different for his purpose of this harmony to glorify himself. So what are those differences? I'll tell you uh, one, and I'm not going to spend too much time here. We'll talk about it more next week. Uh, but female has a certain capacity, the female has a certain capacity that I, as a male, will never have. A female can have a baby, <laughs> can, can create a baby. I, I have been blessed uh, by, by Nora, but in the end, that was not all that painful for me. <laughs> you know, it, it was painful to hear my wife uh, screaming in pain, but, you know, she bore the, the brunt of that because she is a female and she's able to bear a child. Now, on the other hand, she can't have a child uh, without me. You, you understand that, of course, and so I have something that, that she needs there. Then you see this harmony going on, but we see that this is part of God's plan. Genesis 1.28, this is the uh, last chapter, and God blessed them, that is male and female, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. That's talking about reproduction. It's not talking about growing fruit, okay? <laughs> this is talking about reproduction. This is God's plan and purpose for mankind Yet Adam was incomplete, right? He was unable, it was inadequate, the relations he had between animals and his work, to multiply. Therefore, God brought a helper fit for him who had the capacity, the harmonizing capacity for procreation. That, that is one way male and female are different. I'm going to give you, uh, in this next way, more just principles as I've been reading and studying, you know, I, I was thinking, okay, what ways are males and females different? And I, I start to think of um, almost the, the, the just token ways, you know, well, uh, women are more sensitive, men are stronger. But then I thought about it, <laughs> that's not always true. I know some guys that are a lot more sensitive than any girls I know, and I, I know some girls that are a lot more uh, tough than any guys that I know. I know some uh, girls that could beat the snot out of me because they're a lot stronger. And so evidently the differences are not merely physical. 
So it is not very helpful for me to stand here and list, well, women are stronger at this, but men are stronger at this. Women are weaker at this, but men are weaker at this. That's not helpful because it's not always true, and it's, it's not, not even uh, realistic the way it works. And there, there is some truth to that, that the average male is probably stronger than the average female, but that is not necessarily the message the Bible gives us about the differences between male and female. So what I'm going to tell you is, is that more than strengths and weaknesses and physical differences, the Bible gives us a picture of male and female difference more concerning responsibilities, roles, and responses to others. Responsibilities, roles, and responses to others. That is more the way the Bible shows us the difference in the ways that they, they, they treat one another. Biblical manhood, biblical womanhood. I'm going to give you a definition of biblical manhood. Adam was created uh, last week, um, earlier in Genesis 2. And I, I studied the Bible and, and several books to formulate this, so this, some of this isn't necessarily my own words or my own thinking, but this is what I see uh, from the Bible and from my studies. Biblical definition of manhood. You won't hear uh, he's able to burp louder. You know, anyways, uh, biblical manhood. In ways appropriate to the relationship, ways appropriate to the relationship to the woman. So let me just talk about that for one second. In ways appropriate to the relationship, uh, a man should relate to his sister differently than he relates to his wife. <laughs> You should relate to the, the woman at a checkout counter differently than he relates to his mother, even. We, we, we relate to women in ways that are appropriate to the relationship. Okay, so in ways appropriate to the relationship, a man is responsible for servant leadership, provision for any needs, and protection for the good of the woman. You have servant leadership, provision and protection for the good of the woman. This is biblical manhood. I get it. I've, I've watched the Rambo movies and stuff, and that, that seems like manhood. It's not. I mean, there may be some aspects there. Anyways, real manhood is taking responsibility for servant leadership, provision, and protection for the good of the woman. Let me show you this uh, from Genesis. Before the fall, Genesis 2.16, this was again last week, we see, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Stop. This is before woman has been created. And we see God giving a command, a directive to the man. Before woman is even on the scene. And God says there, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So the man, not the woman, was given this, this command and the inherent responsibility to carry out the command. The man was given this responsibility. Why? Well, because God was endowing the male with this responsibility to, to, to lead the woman as a servant for her, her good. So, I said there he was to uh, provide for any needs. 
how would he do that? How would he uh, provide for her needs by that, that command even alone? Well, really, Adam had it quite easy to provide for woman. All he had to do was say, look around and eat. <laughs> there you go. This is my, the provision. God has placed this here on the earth, and so let's eat of this. He, he could provide for Eve in that way. But then I also said he was uh, to protect the woman and lead her as a servant. How would Adam do that from this command? <laughs> you read the next chapter, you see that he uh, fails grossly at this, but Adam had the responsibility of keeping the woman protected from eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because in the day that she eats of it, she will surely die. God gave him the responsibility to protect her, to lead her in good paths, not this path. So even before the fall, we see that Adam had this responsibility to lead as a servant, to provide, and to protect the woman for her good. This is for any man and any woman. I'm not just talking about marriage relationships here. We do remember that this is, uh, we, we, we think about the appropriate way uh, we, we re relate to that person, depending on our relationship. And honestly, guys, this, this may be as simple as opening a door for the ladies. Alan, where are you at? I saw you stand back and, and let uh, your, your son and Delane go up first. That, that to me, is manhood. <laughs> this, this, this leadership, go, go ahead, this servant leadership, you guys, you guys go ahead. It can be as simple as giving, you know, up your seat to a lady uh, on a bus or, or at a table or something like that. It can be as, as simple as speaking more gently to a woman <laughs> than you would to a man. You, you'd maybe uh, speak more harshly, especially if it's difficult conversation. And so let me just say this. By, by this definition of, of manhood, biblical manhood, real men do not lead women into bad situations. Real men do not lead women into bad situations. Man, I've got so many stories that I should not tell. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell it. Who cares? Um, so, I, I was talking um, with, with a, there was a, a girl, and she had a sister, and anyways, one of my pastor friends was asking her, hey, how's your sister doing to, to this girl? She said, oh, she's doing great. Her and her boyfriend are, are doing awesome and stuff. And he's like, oh, her boyfriend, is he a good guy? Is he a good guy? And, uh, and she said, oh, yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a real good guy. And the pastor just straight up said, is he sleeping with her? Is he sleeping with your sister? And she said, well, yeah. And the pastor goes, he's not a good guy. <laughs> just straightforward. He, he's not a good guy. That is not a man to lead that woman into that. He should be protecting her. Should be guiding her servant leadership, not using her. Real men don't take advantage of women. They lead them. Men, we have this responsibility endowed to us by God. I realize this may sound foreign, that you have a responsibility for the women around you to protect them and relate to them in all purity. That's not the message the world teaches us, but it is the message the Bible teaches us. For the good of the woman. That is our role, responsibility, and, and way we respond to women. Okay, so what about women? We saw woman created here today. So a defini biblical definition of womanhood. 
in ways appropriate to the relationship, in ways appropriate to the relationship, a woman is to have the disposition to affirm and encourage the servant leadership, provision, and protection of a worthy man. There's a lot there, I know, and we could take weeks going through this, but a, a woman, in ways appropriate to the relationship, is to have the disposition to affirm and encourage the servant leadership, provision, and protection of the worthy man. Again, if, if Adam's to lead, that's his role. Eve's role is, is to follow, to affirm that leadership. And, and now they, they were married, so they had that type of relationship, so it, it looked uh, a little more direct. But depending on, on our relationships, this, this may be as simple as, as a woman saying thank you when a man opens the door for her instead of saying, I could have gotten it. <laughs> you think I can't open the door? He's just trying to serve you. You know, and you get it. I'm just making principles here. What this doesn't mean, and I just want to be super clear about this, this does not mean you make yourself vulnerable to some jerk. Not at all. I said to a worthy man. That was my definition. Disposition to affirm and encourage the servant leadership, provision and protection of a worthy man. A man who is acting in accord with biblical manhood, you respond to them in this way of affirming and encouraging their leadership, provision, and protection. Now, I would even say to an unworthy man, you still have that disposition, but you won't always be able to exercise uh, that, that womanhood the way you would want to. You cannot affirm uh, a guy trying to take advantage of you or, or treat you badly. You cannot affirm that. But your disposition is to encourage and affirm when the opportunity arises. And that is the way you were created. The responsibility, role, and relation you have to man. These are not popular points. Our current culture rages against this idea. Well, let's think about this. Let's think about this. I, I said that God was creating a harmony. This was a final harmonization. Think about this. What if women were actually led by servant-hearted men? Servant-hearted, serving them for their good. What if women were, were provided for in proper ways by men? What if women were protected by men instead of taken advantage of? That would be beautiful. And really, at that point, all a woman would have to do would be respond by affirming and encouraging that, that leadership, that provision, and protection. Imagine a world where men actually treat ladies as though they were endowed with the image of God, and the woman responded in kind. Beautiful. Beautiful harmony. And this is what was going on in the garden, this is the way male and female were created. Different, different roles, responsibilities, and ways they respond to the opposite sex. Creation was incomplete when it was just the man. We are not enough, men. <laughs> it was not a helper. Uh, it was not good that we were alone. So God made a helper. That was woman. 
our work wasn't adequate. Our relation to, to things around us weren't adequate. So God brought this woman relationships. I'm not even talking about marriage right now to fulfill his plan that we honor women. We respect them. We provide for them, protect them, lead them into good, and women respond by affirming that. When that happens, we're both doing, male and female are doing what they are created by God to do, to reflect him, to show his glory, and to have the joy he wants for us with this beautiful harmony going on. But, we live in a fallen world, don't we? Genesis 3 has happened at this point <laughs> in our history. Women often fear, you know, being uh, subordinate to men in some way, and, and probably rightly so, because on the other hand, many men are trying to push women down. But you think of the, the feminist movements that go on that say, no, we have the power, we're, we're, we're going to dominate men. Well, that's really not any better. <laughs> it's not good for the man to dominate the woman. It's not good for the woman to dominate the man. Neither of them are playing out this harmony, and that's often the way we see things go today. For God's ideal, for this harmony, it is going to take work on both sides, male and female, for, for our, our minds to be renewed, our, our actions and thoughts to change, but the problem is, you can't do it. Your, your thoughts about the opposite sex cannot change on your own. But the beauty is, God did send his son into this world to live, die, rise from the dead, so that you could be a biblical man the way God created you. So that you could be a biblical woman the way God created you. That is what he is doing in you. He's doing a lot more, but that's certainly part of it. Men, we can think about women rightly. We can uh, not, not use them. We cannot think of them in unpure ways. Why? Because God created us that way, and Jesus is now, you know, changing us, recreating us, moving us back toward that ideal, and one day, one day we will relate to females perfectly. Ladies, there will be a day exactly the same way that God is changing you to relate to men in a way that glorifies God with this perfect harmony. And one day it will be perfect. One day it'll be perfect. But right now, we've got to cling to Jesus for this. His blood. His power. So as we come to this communion table, this communion table is reserved for those who have put their faith in Christ Jesus and are walking in obedience and faith with him today. I think we need to think about God's plan. I think we probably have some confessing to do. Men. Men. How are you looking at, thinking about, and treating the women around you? Are your thoughts and actions pure? Are they kind? Are they servant, leader, provision, protection? Or are you misusing them? Women, 
what is your disposition towards men? Is your disposition to anytime he tries to, to lead and provide and protect, you put him down? You're not doing it right. You're not doing it well. Instead of encouraging and affirming that leadership, we should all confess our shortcomings, confess our departure from God's plan and God's ideal, and ask Him, knowing He can and will do it, ask Him to make you the man or the woman you are supposed to be for His glory and your joy. And there may even be some in here that say, I don't have the power to do this because I have not trusted in Jesus Christ for my salvation. I don't have the, the cleansing of his blood, cleansing my sin. I don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in me to empower me. I don't have the Holy Spirit uh, making the, the word real to me and, and changing my heart. I don't have that. But you can today. You can trust in Jesus. You can trust in his life, death, resurrection. You can trust that he will give you new life, make you a new creation if you trust in him. He will make you the man or the woman you are supposed to be, but you cannot do it without him. Let's pray.